It's time for the Hammer Down Show with Jared Jesselitis. Oh, yes. And what was that beginning, middle, and end part again? Streaming online at 1017thehammer.com. All right, sounds good. Let's do this. So if you really like uh, listening and, and, and thinking and talking uh, Purdue and Big Ten basketball, that's the show for you. That's coming up at 4 o'clock this hour. What we got for you here, Sam King, 3.30. Normally get guests at 3.15, but 3.30, Sam's going to uh, join us here. Uh, a lot of stuff going on, not with just the Purdue basketball, but a lot of local uh, hoops and uh, uh, regionals. Um, you know, boys hoops tonight, uh, are getting ready to wrap up here because the sectional draws this weekend too, I believe, right? So you got that. Uh, girls, uh, swimming and diving state finals are this weekend. Wrestling, I mean, there's just, there's a ton of stuff going on here. So Sam's going to be on with us here in a little bit. I've also got my card, your best bets for the Super Bowl. We've been working on these things. So I've got some stuff for you. We'll pass that along to you here as well. Let's get started like we always do. It's time for that need to know news. Here's your need to know news. Well, let's start by talking Boilermaker basketball wins. We got a couple of them. The men's team in Mackey with a 14 point W yesterday. 87 to 73 is the final over Iowa. The win was number 250 at Mackey Arena for Matt Painter. Purdue had five players in double figures. Braden Smith, go off, young king. Uh, he scored a career-high 24 points, 5 assists, 4 rebounds. Zach Eady, you know what he does. He just gets double-doubles. 20th of the year that leads the nation. 14 points, 14 rebounds. Kayla first said, uh, I'm going to try to do that as well. 11 points and 10 boards, a double-double for that man. And uh, oh, Fletcher Lawyer can't get any spotlight, even though he put up 17 freaking points last night. Poor guy. Come on. Purdue shot 55% from the field, 69% in the second half alone. Couldn't miss. I was sitting on Zach Eady. I told you, 13 rebounds. That was my prediction for the game. He had like 11, and nobody was missing anything in the second half. And I just thought he wouldn't get any uh, chances to get himself. It's 13 rebounds, but he did get the 14, so there you go. All right, with all that, the Boilers now 12-2 and in Big Ten play. They own a three-and-a-half game lead on Northwestern, IU, Rutgers, and Michigan. That number will definitely shift over the weekend. Purdue is going to take on Northwestern in Evanston on Sunday. As for IU, Rutgers, and Michigan, well, they're all in action tomorrow. Rutgers will head to Illinois, and Michigan will host Indiana so that battle for seconds gonna uh, it's going to change drastically, and uh, Purdue will come out here a little bit closer to the Big Ten title, or at least a share of it. Purdue must win what three of its last six now to claim at least a share of the Big Ten title. I believe that math is correct. Some of these teams play each other. 
But you got a three and a half game lead with six to play, so yeah, you need three. That's the way I did the math. I'm sure there's a couple of teams. That, that number may be a little bit smaller depending on who wins a couple of these head-to-head matchups. So there you go. Purdue women's basketball team extended its road winning streak to four straight games, 68-54 to over Rutgers. Laisha Petrie, 17 points. Cassidy Harden finished with 12 points, and uh, she became the fifth Boilermaker in program history to make 200 three-pointers in a career. Others on that list, Coach Katie Geralds, Courtney Moses, Brittany Rayburn, Carissa McLaughlin. That is some esteemed company there. Purdue back in Mackey on Sunday afternoon, 2 p.m., when they host Northwestern. Boilers are 7-6 and six in league play, would sit at the 7th seed right now, but with five games left to play for their last five opponents, are at 500 or lower on the season. Uh, the one team above 500, Indiana, who announced uh, their game down in Assembly Hall against the Boilermakers, has now become a sellout. Softball's playing its first game of the season today in Florida. The first game against Long, or not Longwood, um, they're playing Longwood right now. They had a, a morning game that for some reason wasn't played. I don't know if it was the weather or what, but uh, last time we checked there, it was 1-1 in the fifth against Longwood. Baseball, preseason fan fest is tomorrow, 5-7 inside Mollenkopf. It's free. It's all ages. Players will be assisting with skill stations and other indoor activities for the kids, including inflatable play areas. Players will also be signing autographs, taking photos with attendees, Purdue Pete. Uh, if you've gone to these FanFest events before for things like basketball, for uh, uh, for the one that they do at football over Malenkov is always well attended and tremendous. So uh, get out there and see this baseball team on Saturday, 5-7 to seven inside Malenkov. Nets with a 116-105 win over the Bulls last night. Levine, 38 points. That was not enough. Tonight, the Pacers host the Suns as two-and-a-half-point favorites, actually. Uh, that's because I believe the the all, all the trade uh, assets that they acquire, it's not, uh, it's not so. So no Durant tonight is my understanding. That would be probably why it's two-and-a-half. I'm sure if Durant was playing, it would be a much different line. Uh, Blackhawks also in action tonight. They're in a virtual pick 'em against the Coyotes this evening at home. Over to the high school side, boys hoops tonight. Jeff is at Arsenal Tech. Uh, Harrison hosts Muncie Central. Westside taking on Central Catholic down there on South 9, 730 with a tip off against uh, two local teams. Faith will host Clinton Central tonight and McCutcheon hosts Marion. Tomorrow, you got girls regional basketball. Two teams in the running here. Harrison takes on Fort Wayne Snyder at Marion. We had Coach Rush McCauley on earlier this week. Uh, CC will host uh, Fort Wayne Lures. Or they'll take on Fort Wayne Lawrence, I'm sorry, at Lapel. Uh, and these are one game regionals now. The semi state is now two. The regionals used to be two, and the semi-state was one. They have flipped that. So it'll just be, just be one of those games uh, for each team. If they can win, they will be regional champions. Girls swimming and diving state prelims are, un, I believe, underway right now. Or it's like four, 3, 4 o'clock they, uh, they get kicked off with that. Harrison Westside are represented. Maris Emmert will represent Faith Christian, the only swimmer from the school. Competes normally with uh, Westside, but she's able to compete. It's much like wrestling was my understanding. Uh, so she's actually qualified in the 200 and 500 free uh, as an individual. You can qualify for two events. 
um, individuals and uh, two relays, but since uh, there's nobody else for Faith Christian, uh, she cannot swim a relay all by herself. But 200, 500 free, um, and she could... She could end up in top eight in both of those. I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility, but uh, she could definitely be swimming twice tomorrow. you got to get to top 16 uh, for tomorrow. And if she does, uh, she would collect points as a team. And, <laughs> I mean, there's a chance that she could outscore several teams all by herself, which is uh, absolutely something. And, oh, by the way, she's only a freshman. We're going to talk to Sam a little bit more about that. I love her story there. And then uh, wrestling semi-states also kick off tomorrow as well. Um, I tried to get all these people like plucked and stuff and flow wrestling was being difficult for my computer and I couldn't get the full stuff, but I know we got a lot of area wrestlers, uh, getting ready to, uh, or, or sorry. Yeah. In semi-states here, get ready to go. So, um, best of luck to all of them. There you go. That is today's need to know news for this, uh, Friday. All right. Let's, uh, Hey, another good night here. What we, we were in on the Zach Eady. Uh, rebounds yesterday when we, we told you, I told you points. I wanted to stay away because we just didn't know how they were going to elect to defend. And I mean, in my God, I really thought 20, I said that, didn't I yesterday that like 25 just felt too high. So we're good there. Uh, we were solid last night, took Purdue two to cover. So, uh, let's roll. Let's do it again here tonight. Uh, with our friends from DraftKings. Don't forget, they've got so much stuff loaded up here for you for the big game on Sunday. They're going to get you that boosted same-game parlay for the additional legs that you add. Don't forget, they've got boost 6 to 9 p.m. each day on the app. A special uh, boost for you for that game to get into. They currently have a Chiefs and an Eagle Super Boost for you going on right now. You can opt into. Uh, you can either take Mahomes... 275 yards passing, Kelsey 75 yards receiving, and the Chiefs money line, or you can take Hertz 225 passing, Smith 60 yards receiving, and the Eagles money line, both boosted to plus 450. That's easy to do. NBA action again tonight. Give up, uh, get up 10 and you win in any game. That is back. No sweat, same game. Parlay is also available. You're just leaving money on the, I mean, Put 10 bucks down on that. Pick something. You hit cool. If not, they're going to give it back to you in a free bet. So make sure you opt in and check that out as well. Um, there is a, uh, uh, oh, a BR betting squad ride tonight. Boston Scott, 10 plus yards rushing boosted a plus 150. I'm not on that one. Uh, I'll tell you why too, because I'm a Kenneth Gainwell fan right now. Um, also a big game squares game that you can enter in for free for up to $57,000 in prizes. I mean, there is a lot going on with our buddies from DraftKings this evening. So with no Big Ten basketball tonight, I thought, you know, what, what a great idea here to go through the Super Bowl card for this Sunday and, and what I've got. I have retracted my kickoff bet. I've officially retracted it. I was on early. But I'm going to come back to it, okay? Kickoff uh, for a touchback. Uh, I am officially, yeah, I'm, no. Look, I, they're, both those kickers are like low to mid-60s in the percentage on getting a touchback. And the balls, I don't know if you know about this, but and Pat McAfee did a great job explaining this once. Of um, These are brand new balls that they put in there, right? And they're immediately pulled out. You can't rough those things in like they normally like to do. So these things are super hard. Not a lot of give, so it doesn't give you that extra distance. But we are kicking inside 
a dome here in Phoenix, okay? So you you throw out that 60% because both these teams uh, kick outdoors. They play outdoors, right? You take both uh, Elliott and Butker, and you take a look at them uh, inside, indoor retractable roof stadiums, Elliott's touchbacks, 22 of 23 opportunities, Butker 15 of 18 opportunities. I saw that number, and I immediately pulled it, so I am off the kickoff thing, okay? Let's get some other player props that we like here. Kenneth Gainwell, over 19.5 yards rushing. That's the mark. I'm going over on Gainwell. During the season, he only averaged like four to five carries a game, but he has been integral in the playoffs. He has gotten 12 and 14 touches, going for 48 yards and 112 yards in both of those matchups. Kansas City allows six yards per carry through their two post-game or postseason contests. I think Gainwell is good for the 20 yards. I'm on Kenneth Gainwell. Next, I am fading Quez Watkins. Quez Watkins unders. Let's go. And the reason we're doing that is because Dallas Goddard is playing. In the five games that Goddard missed, Watkins was a little bit more of a slot guy. 19.2% target rate per route. But with Goddard active, he moves the outside. And that drops down to 8.7% per route he gets targeted. So with Goddard in... He averages just 1.9 targets, 1.1 reception, and a 57.7% catch rate. When Dallas Goddard does play, I'm sorry, I got it backwards. Goddard's in, you're under two targets, you're at about a reception, 57% catch rate, as opposed to without Goddard, where he's up to almost five targets per game, three and a half receptions, and a 75% catch rate. He's not as good on the outside. That's what happens when Goddard plays. So we are on Quez Watkins unders, under one and a half receptions, and under the 12 and a half yards that he is listed at. So we are taking that into consideration as well. His route participation in two playoff games, 27% and 52%, his two lowest marks of the season, it's not good. He's uh, He averages 40% route participation rate this postseason, which is down from 64%. They're just not using him. And then my favorite touchdown prop of the day, Jalen Hurts, anytime rushing touchdown. He's at even or even plus money right now. He has run for a touchdown in seven of his last nine games. He averages a rushing touchdown per game during that stretch. 15 rushing scores in 17 games. That's nearly one uh, a game for every uh, game this season. That's so good. And you heard our guy Sean Green yesterday from the Sports Gambling Podcast Network tell you that they've been using him way more in the red zone as that rushing threat. Uh, and so, you know, the less Boston Scott, less Gainwell, less Sanders, and more him, especially inside the five. He's been burning them. We're on Jalen Hurts today. I like Kelsey, too. Kelsey's not a bad bet either. Um, but he is also like a minus like 115 to minus 120. I, I like Hertz a little bit better because I'm getting a better price on him. So those are my Super Bowl plays. Kenneth Gainwell over the 19 and a half yards rushing. Quez Watkins unders on receptions and yardage. And Jalen Hurts with the touchdown. I know it's a lot of Eagles stuff. I didn't mind Sean yesterday talking about uh, Kadarius Tony. And talking about that's a guy to uh, to avoid because the, the the fear of re-aggravating that hamstring injury that he has. I and mean, he said he, they even talked to like a medical expert about the type of hamstring injury he has. 
and how easy it is to re-aggravate that in a game. So, there you go. I wish I had a better... I think I'm on the Eagles for the weekend. I, the defense is just better. There's no doubting that. right? Both these offenses can score, of course, Kansas City a little bit better, but I think the Eagles' defense negates that a little bit, and uh, the Eagles have a... I think they have an advantage on the offense versus uh, the... The defense of Kansas City. Sorry, sorry, Katie Geralds. I, I'm going with the Eagles. I know you're a super Kansas City fan. We got to take a break. We're going to come back. Let's talk about last night's Purdue Iowa game. We also got Sam King on the way here at about 3:30, so he's about 14 minutes away. Stay tuned. More Hammer Down Show next on 101. Welcome back to the Hammer Down Show on 101.7 The Hammer, 101.7 TheHammer.com. Always love hearing from you on the Blue Fox Heating Cooling Hammerhead Hotline. You can always text in at 765-447. 4080. Coming up to the top of the hour, uh, we have the Boiler Basketball Show with myself and Jeff Julik. Uh, and Sam King is about uh, 10 minutes away or so uh, from being on here as well. Purdue coming off a 14-point victory last night uh, against Iowa. Zach Eady doing his uh, normal big numbers here, 14-14. and 14, um, And 6 for 6 from the free throw line, too. Let's not discount that. Uh, I, I know the point's probably not as high as you would think, but... Drawing the double teams and then getting the ball out. He had four assists in this one here, too. Um, so, you know, a, a good job there. Just four or seven from the field. Um, we, we won it, and it's 14 and 14. <laughs> it was great. Fletcher was 17. Braden Smith really went off with the 24 points. Uh, also had four rebounds, five assists. Uh, you know, we talked about what to expect in that game. We said, you know, we anticipated that there would be probably a double team on Zach Eady, which they did. Uh, told you about that uh, three-quarter court pressure, which they like to do, and certainly presented Purdue with some problems. Of course, uh, you know, I'm not a blame-the-refs kind of guy, but uh, they were certainly let a, a lot of stuff go, especially on the coverage of that press. Uh, I, I thought gave uh, Braden Smith some trouble at times, but... Um, you know, what are you going to do here? Uh, they won't want to call it. you got to adjust, and uh, Purdue adjusted enough there. And uh, yeah, I thought Brayton did a good job of bringing it up, but you know, clearly they would. there were a lot of shoving when he got it in the hands of other guys there too. Uh, so some errant passes. I mean, look, he's not a four game. He's not a, he's not a five assist, four turnover guy. He's really not. He's a six and one, maybe two turnover kind of guy. Uh, I think it's a little bit rough with the pressure just because of how physical they were being and getting away with it. Still a great night out of him. Well, we, we speculated that he might be the guy that got cut loose last night off of the double teams. And, uh, you know, he made him pay for it, especially off the dribble. He would go and drive, too. And clearly Iowa was way too slow on those rotations. Way too slow. Almost to the point where they had no idea that Purdue would, would drive the basketball. They looked like they were fully prepared for Zach to get the ball, get double-teamed, pass it out, maybe an extra pass on the rotation, find an open shooter to shoot a three. That seemed to be what Iowa thought they were going to force out of Purdue all night long. And not only did Purdue knock down a lot of those long-range shots, but they also brought the ball in and scored around the rim. So good on them. Um... A couple things. One of the things that stood out to me is when I watched Zach Eady get the ball last night. I, to, to me, and, and maybe it's by design. I'm not a basketball genius like Matt Painter is, 
But to me, I, I felt like he would get the ball one-on-one there towards the paint, and then he was anticipating the double team. He's waiting for that other forward to come over before he made a decision on what he was going to do. Almost as if he, he gets the ball and he goes, he's already made the decision whether or not he's going to try to shoot from that spot or he's going to kick it out. And I would just love to see him be a little bit more aggressive around the rim, especially against a team, you know, we talked about Iowa yesterday and just how poorly they defended around the rim and from two point. I mean, it, it was not good. They're not good. And, and you got a defender that you can go over there. Look, you see it. When they really need a bucket and they have to go to the inside to him, he sets up right there in the middle of the paint, gets the ball, and it's a, it's a nice little swift motion into you know the hook shot, or he gets in deep enough to where he puts the spin on, goes to the back shoulder, or just straight throws it down. So I, you know, to me, I, I thought a little predecisive of what he was going to do when he got with the ball. I'd like to be him a little bit more of a wild card to keep teams honest over there. And I don't know if it's you know if that's by design, if it's, hey, I don't want to get into the shooting and then run into the double team and then get into some kind of trouble with it. I, I, I don't know, but I noticed that last night. And I'm nitpicking. I understand I'm, I'm, I'm nitpicking, but I just felt like he has the, the, the matchup that you want right there. You've got the time to get into it with that left shoulder at times and get that little hook and dump it over that he does so well. I'd like to see him be uh, slightly more aggressive in going to that, especially in a matchup like that. Now he's going to go up against another seven-footer here against uh, Northwestern on Sunday, so maybe it won't be as easy to, to pull off that move, but I definitely think that he's quick enough uh, that he's going to be able to get the spin and stuff here. You know, Northwestern, are you going to try to play him straight up with your seven-footer? Or are you going to go to the double team? You know, We'll have Jeff on here at the top of the hour. Jeff will always tell you, you got a double team, you got a double team. I've been watching teams double-team left and right, and it ain't happening. And even me, towards uh, the beginning of the season, I said, you know, that's what you're going to have to do is, uh, instead of letting Zach go ahead and dominate you shooting 70% in the paint, you've got to force him to kick it out and force these uh, other guys to take the lower percentage shots. That's the way to do it. The problem is, you know, Penn State's doing, tried to do it. Iowa tried to do it. Uh, and a plethora of other teams have tried to do it, and the guards have made them pay. You know, Mason Gillis goes off. Brain Smith's going off. Fletcher Lawyer's going off. It's not working for him. And if you go to the double team, your rotations better be good. You better be a good communicating team. Otherwise, you're in a lot of trouble. Now, they'll turn around. They'll play Northwestern on Sunday. Um, a, A team that I think is somewhat similar to Rutgers and where they've got some good athletic guard play. But Northwestern doesn't have a presence. I got a lot of respect for Cliff there in the in the center over Rutgers. I, I think he's a tremendous in a, in a physical uh, center. And I don't think Northwestern does that. I, I think Northwestern has struggled with a strong interior presence. So we'll see what they elect to do. I, I think it is in Purdue's best interest for them to double uh, uh, Zach Eady there in the paint because I just think uh, that these guards. You give them a little bit of open room, and you don't pressure them too much. I think it's going to be great for Purdue. Absolutely great. You go out there, you get the win Northwestern, you take them off the worry list of teams that can sneak up and get you 
or get a share uh, of the Big Ten. And then you'll get, uh, you know, IU and uh, what Michigan this weekend, right? So there's somebody else that's going to fall down. And then if Illinois can go ahead and take care of Rutgers for you this weekend, you'll have either Indiana or Michigan left kind of nipping at your heels, and uh, you'll still be three and a half games up on whatever team that is. And you'll only have five games left. Be a great place to be a huge weekend. Huge weekend, but you got to take care of business on Sunday. Very important. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. Sam King joins us next. We'll talk some Purdue hoops and a busy high school weekend with him as well. That's next here on the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer. 101- Welcome back to the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017TheHammer.com. To the Blue Fox Heating and Cooling Hammerhead Hotline we go. We bring on our good buddy from the Lafayette Journal and Courier, Sam King. Nobody, and I repeat, nobody covers the local sports like Sam does, and that's exactly why we have him on. Sam, uh, a busy weekend for you, man. Um, we'll get into Purdue from last night here in a little bit, but I want to start out with uh, some high school stuff because it's an extremely busy, uh, busy weekend. Uh, look, I know there's some boys' hoops tonight, uh, but let's talk some girls' hoops. Going to the regionals tomorrow, Harrison. Uh, we'll take on Snyder up at Marion and CC uh, over at uh, Lapel to take on Fort Wayne Lures. Uh, we had Coach Rush McCauley on earlier this week. Um, tell me, uh, these two teams, is there anybody that we're looking for that you think could make the semi-state? Well, being the the setup that it is now, um, absolutely. I think anybody can make semi-state or, um, when you only have a one-game regional. It's obviously... Extremely challenging when you have to go play at, at 10 a.m. or play at noon and then turn around and play at 8 o'clock at night and really have to spend the week with uh, two separate scouting reports or three separate scouting reports um, based on who you might play and then kind of implement a game plan within a, a few hours after winning your first game to, to win a regional championship. So uh, I think Central Catholic probably is is a favorite against Lures. I know Lures is 11-13 and 13 or something like that, but uh, – we all know the schedule that that team plays and is in a conference with a lot of 3A and 4A schools. So um, that's a little deceiving, but uh, I like Central Catholic's chances for sure, and um, especially with the emergence of Carly Barrett from her freshman year to her sophomore year, kind of taking over being that leading scorer for that team, and now um, having a whole year of starting under her belt for a team that was in the state finals last year is huge. And then Tori Thompson has been um, very good in terms of being a leader and um, still being a scorer for that team who's had to score in different ways this year uh, because she was pretty much strictly a shooter early in her high school career, and now um, you don't have the luxury that you've had with some of the players in the past. And then uh, the thing that I I like about Central Catholic is Kendall Ryder is a a defensive savant. Um, Never have I met a high school kid who basically watches film and only studies the other team's best player and their moves and spends a week trying to figure out ways to take those away. Um, she bought in, you know, all the way back to her freshman year, and she's a senior now, uh, how to be a defensive stopper and, and her athleticism to be a big benefit throughout her career uh, for that team. Harrison is probably not a favorite to beat Snyder, uh, but uh, I was uh, talking to Coach Rush McCauley earlier this week. You don't have to be better than, than Snyder the whole season. You have to be better than Snyder for 32 minutes and, that seems a lot more realistic and possible. So um, 
although I, I don't know if Harrison will win, I, I think that I, I like its chances. Um, maybe if it can get off to a good start, uh, you know, obviously Harrison has played in Marion's gym before, practiced there this week. So the, um, you know, the, the giant stadium or giant venue that they're going to be playing in is not going to be foreign to them. So that's a good thing. And on top of that, now you're kind of playing with nothing to lose. I think that, um, you know, a few years back, Harrison got to the sectional championship game against Zionsville and it was almost like, Hey, we made it to the, the championship game and had beaten Zionsville earlier in the year and just kind of, uh, got taken out early. And, and that Zionsville team did have a couple of players back that weren't in the regular season matchup, but, uh, you've kind of seen this build into this moment in recent years where, um, you know, last year got beat by Northwestern, but it was a pretty good team. Two years ago really was the favorite to win a sectional and, um, Teresa Maggio from McCutcheon hits a, a shot in the final seconds that uh, ended up being the game winner. So uh, great for, for Harrison to get through for the first time in 37 years. And now it's all about just playing hopefully your best game of the year uh, when it absolutely matters the most. Sam King from the Journal and Courier on with us here on the uh, heating, uh, Blue Fox Heating Cooling Hammerhead Hotline. I, I want to move, I know we don't talk a lot of swimming here, but the, you know, the girls are getting ready for uh, prelims at state here tonight. Uh, everybody trying to make that top 16 to uh, get into tomorrow. Uh, I know Harrison and Westside, uh, they've got some relays going here, but uh, I think the story locally here is uh, freshman Maris Emmert from Faith Christian. I, I know she works out. She competes alongside with uh, Westside, but she'll compete on behalf of Faith Christian. And, you know, she's in the 200 and 500. Uh, you, know, you get two uh, individual events that you can qualify for. She's done it for both. She's a freshman, Sam, and she could theoretically outscore every other team from the area and uh, several other teams that are competing there uh, at States this weekend. And as a freshman, it is extremely hard to do that in general, but as a freshman, usually if you're a freshman doing that, you go to Carmel, you go to Zionsville, you go to Fishers, uh, but she's doing it at one of the smaller schools in the state. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, she goes to a school that doesn't even didn't even have a swim program, I guess, until she arrived. And it's like, you know, we got this phenom, um, and we're going to create an opportunity for her. And Faith Christian has done a great job in recent years of, of doing that and being more open to adding things like you saw when uh, the boys' golf program got going, and then they, you know, they have a team, what, two or three years ago and win a sectional championship two years in a row um, because they've got a group coming through that's really good at golf. Uh, same thing with girls golf this year. They had one golfer, but, um, said, Hey, we're going to make it possible for you to compete if that's what you want to do. Um, same thing here. And this is, you're right. The way swimming works is it's a scoring system based on your team's total points in the state finals. So you really could have one person go there and compete in two events and, um, be a, you know, a top 20, 30 team in the state just off having one swimmer. So that's, uh, you know, something you hope that people see and say, Hey, you know, I go to Faith Christian. I'd like to, to swim and maybe get some opportunities that I didn't think were available to me. And that's probably the bigger impact is how this, you know, maybe down the line affects um, athletes at that school as a whole uh, who want to get involved in some other things. Um, absolutely cool story. And, and, yeah, Harrison has three relays and um, has, you know, could score in some individual events. But uh, Maris Emmert's got a, a chance. She should be in at least the consolation finals, which would be the – Ninth through sixteenth, uh, based on time tonight uh, in tomorrow's finals, but uh, also could sneak into the finals in, in either the two hundred or five hundred. And then uh, you're talking about being on the podium as a freshman. And and you know Carmel's got this Olympic-sized swimming pool and won a thousand state titles. And 
some of the other schools are around there, um, Zionsville, Hamilton, Southeastern, um, just have phenomenal swimmers coming in each and every year. But um, this is really, I think, going to be a catapult for, um, you know, talking two or three years down the road, what this girl is capable of accomplishing. And then, Sam, uh, wrestling semi-states uh, popping off this weekend as well here. Uh, are there any local kids that you know that we uh, should be watching for to maybe be able to make a state run? Uh, there's uh, actually quite a few. Um, I was at Lafayette Jeff yesterday, which uh kind of crazy to me because I thought all year that, that Lafayette Jeff was the, the third best team probably in this county in wrestling, and I think that's probably still the case as a whole uh, with McCutcheon and Harrison both outscoring Jeff in the conference and the sectional and regional. But um, Lafayette Jeff has more semi-state qualifiers than, than any other team in the area with eight. So that's a huge notch um, for them to kind of say, hey, yeah, you beat us in the, the points, but we've got more people still alive in the tournament, which ultimately is what it's really about, is, is more kids having opportunities to go to state. And they've got a 160-pounder, Duryea Minor, uh, senior. He played football. Um, he's a regional champion. And when you look at his draw, he's got a real chance to get through, which uh, that would be a big deal for not only him, but for Lafayette Jeff. And um, Ethan Pop from Harrison, he was a, a state qualifier last year. He's a kid that uh, you want to keep an eye on. Um, some others, uh, also from Harrison, Carlos Perez Dochipa is a kid that uh, I don't think he's ever lost in the sectional. I, he may not have ever lost a match in the regional in his career, but hasn't really taken that next step to get to state. And now it's, it's his last chance. So those are some guys that I'm kind of looking at. And then at McCutcheon, um, they have uh, 106 and a 113 pounder, Wyatt Strickler and, and Aiden Dellinger, who's uh, they're both really good and, and could break through. And then I expect the 220-pounder there, who has a name that a lot of high school sports fans in this area will know, uh, Cole Jacoin, obviously a sister, the, the best high school volleyball player in the country the last couple of years. Never heard of her. Uh, yeah. Uh, he's really, you know, last year he really just came out of nowhere from a subpar freshman season to have a great sophomore year. And then he's catapulted that even more as a junior and, and he's a guy that you know would think you'd think would be a, a favorite to get out of the 220 pound bracket at east chicago tomorrow uh, maybe he could uh go hang out with uh winston breglin from uh you, you know the purdue football player here and they can both talk about how their sisters completely dominate the sports that they're in because she's a she's one of those uh caramel swimmers she's won like nine state titles and she's a senior like it's absolutely insane but uh yeah, that's always, uh, that stuff's great. Sam is uh, with us here from the Journal and Courier. Uh, real quick, let's get in a little bit of Purdue talk. Last night, a uh, nice win over uh, Iowa, 87-73. to I know fans got a little uh, a little scared there with some of the, uh, the, the the press, but you know Purdue still gets a uh, double-digit win there. A lot of impressive performances for Purdue last night. Who stood out the most to you? Well, I think obviously Braden Smith stood out the most, but um, he didn't really do anything he's not capable of. Um, he's clearly... A good shooter, um, he's a good ball handler, and he just took advantage maybe of the opportunities more than he has at times because of the way uh, Iowa defended Zach Eady in the post. Uh, he's been throughout his what first 24 games as a college basketball player, um, more of a pass-first guy looking to get other people opportunities, and Matt Painter has pleaded with him, like, listen, you're 45 50% three-point shooter. Please shoot the ball when they go under that screen and leave you wide open out there. And uh, he must have heard that finally 25 games into the season because he, he catched four of them out of five attempts. And uh, that really got Purdue sparked early. And thankfully for the Boilermakers, uh, got him out to a, a huge halftime lead 
Uh, I think his runner just before the buzzer put Purdue up by 17, and Purdue needed every bit of those points uh, because you're right, the the press and and listen, Iowa's really good at the press. They they practice the press all the time. They use it. Um, you know, a lot of people say, why don't you just press Purdue all the time? Well, if you don't practice the press and work on it all the time, you're not going to be good at it. And um, Iowa is very efficient at it and, and did cause uh, some problems there down the stretch. But um, that, that cushion in the first half, led by Braden Smith, um, really was the reason that Purdue was able to hang on. And uh, I think that you know each time they Purdue sees something like this, uh, you just get better at it. So uh, that's the big thing because we know – going to Maryland next week and, and what Maryland did with its press, uh, you know, a few weeks ago here at Mackey Arena, um, it's going to be a point of emphasis, like, we've got to beat that or we're going to go to Maryland and uh, pick up an L. Yeah, and you could, uh, going into Maryland with a, a chance to maybe just claim a, a share of the Big Ten title here, too. You get the win over uh, Northwestern on Sunday, a couple things bounce right for you here on Saturday, and then all of a sudden, uh, math really starts to come into play here. Uh, when you head out on Thursday. Sam King, Lafayette Journal and Courier. I don't know how he's going to keep track of everything this weekend, but I'm sure he's going to keep track of everything this weekend, especially high school for you. So uh, make sure you give him a follow. Ain't nobody work harder than this guy right here. I don't even know how I got 10 minutes to get him on the air, but uh, he's given me uh, 10, 15 minutes. Sam, you know I always appreciate the time. We love reading. Make sure you subscribe to the Journal and Courier. Uh, and, uh, again, follow him on Twitter. Sam, hard-working weekend ahead of you. I know you're going to do a great job. I-, I appreciate all your hard work, buddy. It's always the pleasure of my week being on this show with you. So. Uh, he's such a good liar, too, isn't he? I mean, he could silver tongue devil this guy. You thought it was just in print? Nope, he can do it just like the best of them here. Sam, always appreciate it, buddy. You have a good one, all right? All right, thanks. Take care. Take care, buddy. All right, we're going to come back, and uh, we'll wrap up the Hammer Down show next. we got the Boiler Basketball show coming up at the top of the hour. Plenty more local sports to talk here on 101.7 The Hammer, 101.7 The Hammer. Welcome back to the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer, 1017TheHammer.com. Hey, thank you to uh, our good buddy uh, Sam King for uh, being on with us uh, yet again on a Friday. Listen, nobody works as hard as uh, that guy does in covering your local sports, so uh, I do appreciate that. Uh, we do have your uh, Boiler Basketball Show coming up at the top of the hour. Myself and Jeff Julik put you on another full hour of uh Boiler Basketball Talk. We'll talk that. We'll talk Big Ten Sports. Alan Carpick scheduled to be on with us. No Nate Barrett. My man's down there in Naples taking pictures. He's hanging out with Gene Katie. Of all the times to get him on. Come on, Nate. Killing me. Hopefully he'll be back next week. They got a a big trip. Like the alumni stuff, they do that down there. So uh, I hope Nate's having fun. Maybe he's playing some. I don't know what the heck he's doing today. But uh, we hope to have him on uh, next week. And just such an exciting weekend here on uh, of sports. I mean, it doesn't get much better than Super Bowl weekend. You got yourself some Big Ten basketball tomorrow and Sunday. You know, your Boilers and a lead right into it. So uh, I'm just I'm so pumped for it. Again, I will post my picks here, too, in case you missed it. A lot of prop stuff we worked on. I mean, we got you covered. And, of course, we've got the game here on 1017 The Hammer. It all starts tomorrow at 2 o'clock. That's with all the pregame we'll have you taken care of. Super Bowl Sunday. It's uh, all right here on 1017 The Hammer. Tomorrow, 
We've got basketball action with Duke and Virginia, 3.30 uh, with the tip-off there, uh, followed by the uh, Lakers and Golden State uh, tomorrow evening. And then Super Bowl all day on Sunday. Let's go. I'm so excited for this. So it's been a great week. Really excited to see where Purdue is going to be on Monday when we come back here and um, kind of digest. Hopefully it's a win over Northwestern, uh, which then should automatically lower their number. But again, you look at who is sitting in second right now. It's uh, a tight race with uh, four teams at three and a half back. You You play Northwestern this week. If you were able to take care of Northwestern on Sunday, that should do it for them. Purdue would be 13-2 and two with five games left, and that would push them four and a half back. You would assume that that's done for them. Indiana and Michigan play each other at three and a half back. Rutgers is at Illinois. So we could really be coming in on Monday and talking about you know, if all things break right, either Indiana or Michigan still being three and a half back with five to go. I just would love the optics of having the Big Ten title in the building in Mackey when Indiana has to come to town. Now, it might happen, uh, you would think the way the math works out and with who plays who, that that maybe ends up happening for the Ohio State game next week. That seems far more feasible, but you got to take care of business uh, on Sunday against uh, Iowa or against Northwestern, and you have to go out to Maryland. And it may be a done deal by the time we get to Maryland. Next Thursday. We'll take a look at the full schedule here coming up next. The Boiler Basketball Show on the way on 1017 The Hammer. Haley's Lock Safe and Key has been keeping your stuff safe since 1969 and is a proud dealer of quality safes from Browning. These 2023 safes from Browning are ideal for storing your firearms, documents, and valuables with their patented innovations and proven fire protection. Come see the 2023 Browning safes at Haley's Lock Safe and Key, 414 North Earl Avenue in Lafayette, and at 200 West Spring Street in Crawfordsville. That's Haley's Lock Safe and Key. 